awake this morning. Amen. Well, I want to turn the service over to our brother Rex. We are privileged to have him. And uh, let me just share a little bit about Rex. And uh, also, he has a ministry partner, Ben, from uh, Los Angeles, California, a school psychologist over Orange County Schools, and has amazing testimony what uh, the Lord has been doing in his life there. But uh, Rex Crane is an acclaimed speaker, author, and catalyst for change to Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, entertainers, and people from all walks of life. As a young man, Rex walked away from a baseball career with the Boston Red Sox to pursue his passion to help people. Rex has devoted the last 18 years of his life to helping people discover and develop their own unique qualities and greatness. His gift to inspire has taken him around the world to bring strategies and insights to elevate human achievement and performance. Rex's passion is to make the world a better place to live by assisting individuals to live their best life. Throughout the years, he has unselfishly given his energy and resources to those in need. Rex is considered one of the nation's top leaders in peak performance coaching. Rex, his wife Katrina, and daughter Kira live in Los Angeles, California. And we had a great time uh, last night just fellowshipping, getting connected with these guys. And, you know, we are really blessed to have them to get on a plane from Los Angeles and come to Minnesota. Let's give it up for Rex Crane. Why don't we give the Lord a big old clap in here? Thank you for saying all those nice things about me. Whoever wrote that, they did a good job. Uh, the best thing about my life besides being a child of God is I'm a dad and I'm a husband. I'm really into my wife. We're still in love after being married for many, many years, and I'm really, really proud to be a dad. And they said we couldn't have a child, so we decided to try to have a child. And uh, my... Uh, Really, really cool. So that is my little claim to fame. I want to give honor to our pastors, uh, Pastor Mike and Rhonda. How many grateful for spiritual leaders that are empowering our lives? Why don't we give them a big old clap? I was, had this on my radar. I was telling you guys last night. I was so excited to be here. And we have a really, really busy couple months here, but I was like, I could not wait to get to Alexandria. Come on, Minnesota. Don't you know? Come on, I was excited. And I have family that's from a Minnesota area, my, uh, my grandfather's side. So this is a real honor for me to be here today. And then getting to know your pastors and the hunger they have for not just their own life to go to the next level, but to see you live up in a down world and to see your dreams come to pass and to see great breakthroughs happen for your lives. I'm really grateful for people that really, really care. Give them one more big old clap. These are a couple commercials. And Mariah, you opened the whole thing. Mariah, stand up. I, uh, yeah, it was a quick stand up. Mariah is a great human, and she opened the door for us to be here today. Um, I want to give a really big round of applause for our worship band, who did a phenomenal job. Why don't we give them a big old clap? And while we're at it, all the sound guys, all of our ushers, everybody that's working hard, come on, give them a big old clap today. I appreciate you. Last commercial, Ben, stand up. You've been with me for 15 years. 
and he was a Catholic lighting candles in the Catholic Church. And then he experienced the God that they only uh, talk about a little bit. And God changed him and his family's life. You're not going to like today. You're going to love today. If you have a Bible, go on the right-hand side of it to Mark chapter 10. And you're going to like this verse. I'll read 45 through 52. I'll read it. And then we're going to have a really great time here to get together. How many of you guys are planning, by the way, of being back tonight? Please be back tonight. Some incredible things are going to happen. I know sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to just do the Sunday morning gig and not go show up at night. I encourage you to come tonight. We're going to pray for a lot of people, and people are going to be incredibly touched and, you know, changed. And for me, that's where it started. I was a professional athlete playing for the Boston Red Sox, and a 76-year-old woman on an airplane in my second year sat next to me. I had big earphones in my ears, Copenhagen tobacco in my lip, tattoos on my arms, and I had beats going through my head. And the 76-year-old woman tapped me on the shoulder and says, can I have a conversation with you? And I was taught to always be respectful and honorable. And I said, absolutely. Her husband was knocked out on an oxygen machine. And he was over there. And he goes, she says, you are going to bring deliverance to millions of people around the world. And I go, you got the wrong guy. I go, bless your heart. I said, I'm a professional athlete. I'm not really into speaking. I'm not into doing all that. She goes, no, God's going to use your life to bring healing to thousands and thousands of people. And I said, you were looking for somebody maybe in 12A. You're in the wrong. That's not my grid at all. And she goes, no, I got the right guy. And for four hours on the way to spring training, she prophesied me blind. What I mean by that is she began to speak about all these things that she, that God led her to see, this beautiful grandmother, inside me. And every week she would write me letters. We didn't have cell phones yet. That ages me a little bit. We had beepers. Anybody remember having like a pager? Need to stop at the payphone? Yeah. And she would send me these letters and say, don't quit. People are going to need you. Don't quit in your face. Someone's waiting for you. Don't quit. People are going to get better from you. And her faith instilled in me that all things could become possible. And so I got to the point where I said, okay, God, if I'm really going to walk away from something that's familiar to something that's unknown, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I grew up in a family, a really great family, but we had a lot of sickness and suffering, and I hated watching people suffer. Anybody, have, any grow up, anybody grow up like that? Where it wasn't just like, oh, I didn't like it. I hated it. Like, we should be living better than this. Anybody ever feel like, like this can't be like what it's supposed to be like? And we knew the blue cross, the red cross, more than the healing side of the cross. Not because we were bad, we just ignorant. Come on. Or where we grew up ignorant. <laughs> we, didn't, we, were lower, we were lower income, not lower class. So I think we, had not, we didn't have Nikes, we had Mikeys. Instead of Adidas, we had Adidos. I think we had the four stripes instead of the three. We was Poe. Come on, we just didn't know it. We had a lot of laughter in our home. But I remember I said, if you'll heal people and show up, then I'll step out and do it. And that's led, I've never gone on Christian TV. I've done it on, you know, secular TV or in the White House or in different places all over the world, 48 different countries. But blind eyes, deaf ears, people that are crippled. Just a couple weeks ago, three crippled people in one evening two weeks ago. People in locker rooms where people have injuries, seasoning injuries. Robert Griffin III, RG3, the famous quarterback. They told him his career was over on ESPN. We had a moment after a, uh, after a game, and he was sitting there on crutches, can't walk. And God's presence touched him in such a cool way, Jesus style. 
and the guy got back his career, and he's back playing in the NFL in a week and a half, and they talked about it on the TV, about being a miracle. So I encourage you to be here tonight, by the way. It'll be really cool. All right, the title of my, my, my speech or my message this morning is Take It Back. Touch the person next to you, say, take it back, take it back, take it back. Come on, say, say take it back. You can do it. Chapter 10, verse 45. It says this, they, uh, that even the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a sacrifice for many. How many of you are grateful for Jesus' sacrifice? They came to Jericho, and as he was going out of that city, Jericho, with his disciples, his posse, a great number of people, and a great number of people following him, blind Bartimaeus, who was the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. And when they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, going, Yo, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's the ghetto translation I'm using. Many charged him that he should be quiet and shut up, one translation says. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man and said, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Casting away his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Lord, that I may recover or regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Someone say, my faith will work. Come on, this is going to be good this morning. So here you have Jesus, his last week on the planet before he goes to the cross. Okay, he's talking about it. He's telling his disciples he's got cussing Peter. Come on. He's got stealing Judas, and he never told him to quit stealing. Come on, there's hope for you. Come on, somebody. You got doubting Thomas. He needs a Xanax every four hours just to be okay. I love what Jesus did. He didn't take on religious people. He took on 12 business owners as his posse. He liked business owners because they were people willing to invest in themselves and bet on themselves. He didn't want the religious people because they were always waiting for God to do something for them, not wanting God to do something with them. That's really good right now. Maybe your whole life shifts in one moment when you stop waiting for God to do something for you, and he want, you start to say, what does God want to do with me? In fact, if you're a parent, you start asking your children, what can God do with you? You'll cultivate a conversation that will create involvement and engagement rather than a conversation that will create, well, I'm not sure. Jesus took on these guys. He's talking now for after three years. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's feeling the sting of what he's about to happen. Knowing that you're about to get scourged, 39 lashes in your back to where all the skin's about to come out of your back, Roman style with glass hooks pulling off the skin of your back so that one day you and 2,000 years later in Minnesota could be healed. Come on, somebody. In your body, in your mind. He's talking about it, and he's talking about his death. But I love about Jesus, he never talked about his crucifixion without ever talking about his resurrection. Our challenge is we talk about what we're going through rather than what we're going to. So we get caught in what we feel rather than where we're going. And how many know your faith only rises to the level of your confession? Let me say that again because that's, that's really worth paying attention to. Your faith rises to the level of your confession. Philemon or Philemon, 1-6 in the Bible. It's one chapter. 
It says your faith becomes effectual or effective. My faith becomes effective when I acknowledge every good thing that is in me. Notice it didn't say when you acknowledge every bad thing or wrong thing in your life. But my faith and your faith become effective when you acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. That's what I love our video that we were just showing. And even pastors been teaching about how the enemy wants to steal the word inside of us. How many have been paying attention the last couple of weeks? Right where we acknowledge other things but don't acknowledge what God's word says we are and what we're going to. Jesus spoke where he's going to end up and then the disciples go, yo, hey, I'm thinking about when, we, when you get into your kingdom, we want positions of honor. They were with Jesus and could see physically, but they were blind spiritually to what was going on. They come into this town, Jericho. It was known for a transient place, but a lot of blind people were there because that's where a lot of people would go through to different places. They actually were known for the disease of blindness. So they had so many blind people sitting there. And there's a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. I love this story because I think there's so much wealth here, and I'm trying to pack a little bit, that relates to our lives here for a little bit this morning. Bartimaeus was not born blind. He was born and could see. That's why he says at the end, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? I want to regain or I want to recover my sight or my vision. Watch how powerful this is. But he was raised by Timaeus, his dad. He doesn't say anything about his mother because his mother wasn't present. He grew up in a dysfunctional family where he did not have the, the feminism or the motherly instincts. He was raised by his dad who was blind. It's interesting that when you're raised in a culture or atmosphere of people that can't see, you learn that you can't see. People that are blind spiritually, they adopt religious concepts, but they never experience God's goodness. People that are blind relationally, and they're in relationships to see what they can get from something rather than what they can give to something. Graze up a people that we use people rather than what we give to people. If we're blind, come on, growing up in an atmosphere of blindness to our health, we think, well, God will just do it all for us. We don't need to do anything. How many know your body's not Amazon Prime? It's not going to show up in 48 hours. Come on, smile even if you got four teeth. Try it, hey. Come on, try it. How many know your body's the carrier of destiny? But if you didn't grow up in an atmosphere like our family, we didn't talk much about health. We didn't talk much about, we were always just trying to get healed rather than talk about living healthy. And I wanted health in my body if I was going to live out destiny. Hello. This young man grew up in an atmosphere of blindness, and the blindness reduced him to begging. To be a professional beggar, you had to get a coat and a diagnosis that you were now handicapped. So the day came where Bartimaeus, watch how powerful this is, he lived up, grew up with all these blind people around him, and he became physically what he learned how to live internally. If you're not careful, you can go blind by hanging out with blind people. That's why the Bible says if you walk with wise people, you become wise. You hang out with a fool, your life suffers harm. How many, how many wish you had like a spray for every fool you met? Come on, somebody. You just spray somebody. You just stay away from you, fool. Come on. Mr. T used to say, I pity the fool. He grew up in an environment where people were blind, and he adopted it, and he became blind himself. 
The moment came where he went and he got a diagnosis that you are now blind and it let him beg where he lived off the handouts of others. How many know the scripture is true? My people get destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When you don't have knowledge of relationships, you don't have knowledge of love, you don't have knowledge of God's power in your life, knowledge of his miracles, knowledge of who you can be and what you can achieve, it's easy to become blind and almost callous to where now I just live off of other people's handouts, live off the spiritual handouts of the pastor, come on. Lived off handouts of other people relationally. And you're looking for other people to meet your needs in your life while you wonder, wander. Helen Keller said, what's worse than being born blind, having sight with no vision. Why? Because sight's the function of your eyes. Vision's the function of your heart. God gave you and I the gift of vision so you don't have to live contained or controlled by what you currently see. That's why the greatest gift that God gave you when you're born again, unless a man or a woman is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside you? A vision starts to unlock for how you were made, why you were made, and who you were born. That's why obsession with just trying to do things naturally doesn't make sense. It leads to frustration because without vision, you wonder and you wander. How many know that's true? Have you ever been there in your life or only me? where you just kind of wonder, you drift, you wander. You live led by your emotions and how you feel rather than how you decide and what's been prepared for you. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, better is the vision of your eyes than the wandering of emotion. How many know your feelings are so fickle? How many know you could feel a lot of things in a short amount of time? Angry, depressed, happy, horny, all in about one minute. Come on, somebody, you tell the truth. How many know that you're not to be led by how you feel, we're to be led by how we decide or be led by our spirit, come on, and by faith, not by our feelings? Ooh, this is powerful. Take, for instance, the guy Stevie Wonder. Anybody ever heard from him on the planet? At six years old, he was in his next-door neighbor, Billy's, uh, he had asked his mother, actually, a couple days prior to this. He said, Mama, why am I born blind? She said, true story, we're cursed by God. And he goes, oh, Mama, we ain't cursed by God. A couple days later, he was at Billy's house, Pastor, and it was a little barn. He was out there in the country barn out in Detroit, Michigan, and he was out there, and he stumbled on a rock, and he put his hands out just to be able to grasp and attach himself to something firm so he didn't fall down. And when he did, he hit a broken piano, and the keys went off, and he, the sounds went off, and he started yelling out loud, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. Billy got nervous and ran home. Stevie decided to try to run home, the kid that can't see. He makes it home. It's a true story. He got home and he said to his mama, 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 we ain't cursed no more. She says, what you talking about, Stevie? Sounds like what you talking about, Willis. What you talking about, Stevie? She goes, Mama, I was over at Billy's. I stumbled. I put my hand out and I touched this thing and there was these sounds that went off. And when the sounds of like a piano, I was made, all these sounds, I see all these different colors of people and they're happy when I make sounds. Mama, Mama, I'm going to make sounds. And when I make sounds, everyone's going to become happy. But she says, you can't see my skin. You can't see my face. Can you? Can you get see my? No, 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 Mama. I don't see with my outer eyes. I see with my inner eyes. I'm going to make music and it's going to change people's lives. God's highly interested in what you see with your spiritual eyes. Seven times in the scriptures, God comes to people and says, what do you see? Not what you're looking at, what do you see? 
Come on, touch the person next to you. Say, what do you see? Why? Because your vision is your future. Let me say that again. Your vision, my vision is my future. Without a vision, you perish. Without a vision, you always go to your past. If you don't, have, if you don't reach for what's before you, you die by what's behind you. That's a good tweetable moment right there. If I don't have something to reach for what's before me, I die by what's behind me. What has usually blinded us? Things behind us and people around us. You're a product. Let's start with what's behind you. You and I are both products of our past, but thank God you don't have to live as a prisoner of it. Come on. That was then, now is now. Aren't you glad that you can sign the death certificate because Jesus already signed the death certificate? Don't allow the le- devil to condemn you in your mind, to rob you of your confidence, where you sit there and nurse, curse, and rehearse what's happened in your past. That was then. Just because it happened to you then doesn't mean you need to be a victim of it now. Maybe you put bad decisions and your choice created your challenge and it made you blind. It made you on the side of the road. It put you in a physical setback or an emotional or relational setback. Maybe your choice did. But how many grateful for the grace of God that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Give the Lord a clap and a shout in here. My wife was raped by a pastor. Lived on a bed for nine and a half months fighting for sanity in her brain. A very well-known pastor. Had every reason in the world to be bothered at God. She sat there. She could have nursed, cursed, and rehearsed. And in nine and a half months after fighting in a struggle, and if you're in a struggle today, let me give you some wisdom. Struggle is proof you've not been conquered. If you find yourself in a battle and there's a struggle, I'm going to give you some hope today. Come on. Why? Because the battle's over your mind. Every battle's a mind battle. If the enemy can defeat you in your mind, he'll defeat you in your experience. And the only hold the enemy has is on who you used to be. That's why he always talks about where you were, not where you're going. That's why he always wants you freeze-framed on your then so you don't step into your now. Why? Look at that guy, Simon Peter. Notice that when Jesus meets him, his name is Simon. The Simon words broken reed, wayward one, kind of reveals his life. One minute up, next minute down. Kind of like our lives. Jesus meets him. He doesn't try to change his behavior. He doesn't go, Simon, you need to really quit cussing. Stop being a little bit angry. Come on, a little bit moody. It's like always your time of the month, Steve. Come on, Simon. Jesus says, No, we call you Peter the Rock. He changes his identity. Why? Because all change evolves out of the way you see yourself. Your breakthrough does not evolve out of your circumstance. It evolves out of your mentality. That's why God doesn't confront a condition with sympathy. He confronts it with a revelation. Why do I need to be in the house of God? Because when you open this thing, the entrance of his word gives light. And that light can begin to illuminate. You go, wait a second. I'm not stuck. I'm not trapped. Solutions, ideas, on relations, finances, health, your life. Come on. Where you get a God idea, not a good idea. Your good ideas may come to pass. His God ideas have to come to pass. Watch how powerful this is. Three years, Peter walks with Jesus. He never calls him Simon again until the very end. Right before he goes to the cross, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. There's people in here that you've been under attack, and the enemy's trying to sift your faith. He's trying to sift you, your confidence in God. Notice, though, that the devil did not ask for Peter. He only asked for Simon. 
The devil does not ask for who God says you are. He asks who you used to be. Because if he can get you locked into who you used to be before you met Jesus, he can sift your faith and destroy your future and your family. But if you ever stay true to who God says you are, somebody help me with this thing. Give the Lord a clap and a shout like you got energy. So Bartimaeus is sitting there. He's begging. He hears a whole crowd of people coming through. Come on. And they say, who's, who, who, who's, they go, that guy, that guy from Nazareth. Jesus, the guy from Nazareth is coming through. Jesus, they'd heard all the stories about opening blind eyes, stopping the funeral of a little boy from Nain, raising him from the dead. Come on, raising Lazarus from the dead. That had to be pretty dope. Come on, in my vernacular. That had to be cool. Come on, when they throw little children that were crippled and they'd instantly get healed. Taking a little boy's lunch, multiplying it. He was known as the man of miracles. Tell me how we don't need that today. He said, unless you have miracles, you'll never believe. John 10, 37, if I don't do the miracles of my father, don't believe the words I tell you. In America, we want you to believe our words without showing you our work. We have a responsibility to our community. I think God's waking something up here. Come on, where we got to take authority, and we just don't tolerate evil. We stand against it in school. We stand against it for our families. Come on. We push back darkness. And we bring peace and healing and health. Faithful ambassadors, they bring healing. Do you know how powerful you are? Or have you been blinded? Has the enemy blinded you so you're sitting there, blinded by your pastor, blinded who's around you? It's interesting when he hears the knowledge of the miracles. All of a sudden he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, I know who you are. You're the son of David. You're the, you're, the, you're the Messiah, the one that liberates and heals. I'm calling upon you. What he heard brought prophecy and praise. Is what you're hearing producing prayer, praise, and prophecy in your life? Or are you regurgitating CNN or Fox News? Don't for a minute, don't think they don't have an agenda, both of them. I work with people on both sides. I've been in both, I've been in CNN not too long ago. Don't think for a minute they don't have an agenda to hypnotize the culture and seduce your minds into buying anti-Christ philosophies. That you live according to the traditions of man but not according to God's word. In our age, if your faith and my faith is going to make it, i got to go back to it is written. It is written, not how I feel, not what the teacher says, not what the professor says, not what Vachi says. Come on, somebody. Not what Joe Biden, who can't ride a freaking bike, says. i got to go back to what God says. Not what Mr. Trump says. Your life's way too precious to place in the hands of media to condition you and other voices to shut you up. Is what you're hearing producing a prophecy inside you to say, God says this. God says that over my life. God says I'm going to lend and not borrow. God says he takes pleasure when I prosper. God says I'm going to prosper and be in health. God says I'm going from strength to strength and glory to glory. God says in my old age I'm going to bear much fruit. God says I'm going to be a vessel of honor. I can be integrous. And if you gave up your integrity last night, get it back today. Hey, come on, somebody. We don't just need a wishbone or a funny bone. We need, come on, a backbone. We don't need some welfare spirit. Well, we got to just wait and see what happens. No, 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 no. 
Two-thirds of God's name is go. The other two-thirds of his name is do. That's a deep revelation right there. Hey, come on, watch. Blinded by other people closest to you. Bartimaeus hears the miracles. He starts to cry out, son of David, he prophesies. You want to shift the atmosphere of your life? Begin to start declaring things over your life. Wake up in the morning and say, I'm blessed coming into my business. I'm blessed going out. My kids are blessed. Your children need to hear this. Psalm 112, verse 2. My children shall be mighty in the land. Not might be mighty in the land. Well, they're going to be small in the land. They're going to be poor in the land. Well, I hope another virus doesn't break out from China, Wuhan. Come on, somebody. My children are going to be sick in the land. Wait a second. What are you saying over your house? The home of the righteous shall be blessed. Is he telling the truth or is he lying? Muhammad doesn't say that. Muhammad doesn't say that in the Quran, but the Muhammad actually says Jesus heals 22 times. Prayed for a woman that was actually uh, Muslim the other night, and she completely got healed. And when she did, her and her family just bowed down. No one even told them to, lay, to accept Christ. They just knelt their knees and said, that's our new God. She could not walk. She walked like this up. 50-year-old woman. Bam, the power of God hit that woman. She took off running. It didn't take much to get her born again. <laughs> Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He said, many told him to be quiet. Who do I think that many was? I believe it was the familiar associations, his dad, and the people closest to him. Because usually when you go to push beyond average and you disrupt the norm, the people closest to you go, are you really going to go after it? Are you really hungry? But think about all the benefits of hunger. When I'm out in the middle of Africa, I go to Africa quite a bit. I love Africa, and I love helping people with AIDS. I love it. But I like to go out safari, and I wanted to go the first time and go see an, a, a big old lion eat a zebra. I wanted to watch the National Geographic Channel come to life. I got out there. I was so disappointed. I got out on the plane, and there the lions were, and they were sitting there, and they were lazy, sleeping. I was throwing M&Ms at them. Come on, throwing Sprite at them. And they just sat there. And I asked the Zulu guy, I go, what's going on? The lion is lazy. The elephant is king of the jungle at day. I go, what happens at night? The lion gets hungry. I go, what happens when the lion gets hungry? The atmosphere changes. Our problem is we're being a bunch of pussycats rather than lions. Why? Because when you get hungry, the atmosphere of your life changes. When you get more hungry spiritually to know and receive the things of God, Jesus says, blessed are those that hunger, they shall be filled. Come on. Blessed are those that are hungry. They will be met with goodness from God. Isn't that what pastor was talking about? Going from it believing to expecting. The atmosphere of your life changes. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to be okay if you're in the same place you are in your life seven months from now? You're going to arrive, the question's where? Where are you going to arrive in seven months? You're going to show, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on you. The mind of a man plans his way, then God directs his steps. The scripture says, guide your mind in the way. You're responsible for your fruit. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or melt the tree bad or make the fruit bad. I'm responsible for the fruit in my life, and the fruit of my life is the fruit of my vision. You make the vision, and the vision makes you. You've got an abundant eye, generous eye, Solomon says, you'll have an abundant life. If you have an impoverished eye, Jesus said, and it's all about you're getting stuff rather than becoming and giving something. Ooh, can I hit that for a minute? 
I don't mind you having things. I mind things having you because riches are what you have, but wealth is who you are. Your wealth isn't what you can give. Most people think, I'm just going to give an inheritance of money. It's not what you give to somebody. It's what you put in somebody. When I get to heaven, will Jesus get everything he purchased from my life? That's a question I got to ask. When I stand before the one that smiled at me about 11 years ago, and he sat there and he smiled, and I want to live for that one smile because one day I'm going to see that smile again. Is he going to get everything that he purchased from me? With all my weaknesses, with all my ups, all my downs, all my feelings, all my highs and all my lows, is he going to get what he purchased from my life? Or am I going to rob him of what he purchased and go bury all the power, all the gifts, all the love, all the ability, and bury it in some graveyard that said it could have, should have, would have, but he decided to play safe? He was apathetic. He decided to major on his faults and his weaknesses rather than how he could make a difference. My friend Miles Monroe, he's in heaven today. He wrote about 71 books, The Ambassador of the Bahamas. Really good friend of mine. He said, Rex, if you ever want to feel wealthy, he goes, go by the graveyard. Walk the graveyard. He says, underneath that sacred soil, songs never sung. I love you's never shared because people were too darn proud. How many gifts of opportunity to make a difference for people, solutions as mechanics, solutions as dentists, ideas that went buried beneath that sacred soil because they never gave their ability responsibility because they never got hungry enough to do something about it. That's what I loved about walking with Jesus. He keeps disrupting your normal. Your future's in disruption. Disruptive technology products make a lot of money. We have to figure out how to use them. Come on, somebody. But something happens when a disruption happens. Back a couple months ago, I was speaking, actually a couple years ago, I was speaking, and there was a gentleman in the back, and I said just the beginning part of a scripture, and this man in the very, very back of a room, he goes, I want what you have, and I can't wait. All the ushers like, quiet down, brother. You need Jesus. <laughs> and I go, and he goes, I can't wait. I want what you have if it's real. Interrupted the whole meeting. And I just that night, I go, you know what? You need to come forward. I probably ought to be able to show you some type of proof or I probably shouldn't talk about him. That's what Jesus said. I'm trying to do the Jesus thing. Come on. I'm not trying to follow so-and-so style. I'm just trying to do the Jesus style. Everywhere he went, he went about doing good and healing those that are hurting. Okay. So this guy takes forever to get to the front. Two minutes of walking is a long time in front of people. I'm trying to entertain and engage the people. The guy finally comes. He's got a back brace from here to here. My dad's had back surgery, so it's very, very painful. Had to help him learn to walk again with fusions and everything like that. So I understand the pain of it. And he was standing there, and he goes, can your God do anything? You know, people are watching. And so I put my hand, I go, Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, that was my prayer. It's a true story. A real man of faith, Pastor. You're going to need to pray for me. I need some of your faith, Doc. Come on. I, I need some of your, your Holy Ghost faith. This is my prayer. Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, hook him up. Deep prayer, right? But I actually used it in faith. Some of you pray so long, you pray yourself out of faith. Isn't that the truth? Come on. You can pray five minutes in faith, and you feel, bam, I connected. The last ten minutes, you was complaining, and you talked yourself out of everything you prayed for. Isn't that true? Am I the only one, or am I the only hypocrite? 
Am I the only struggler in here? Come on. Hopefully it gives you hope. I, the guy falls down on his knees, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, snap. I hope he didn't hurt his back again. Great faith, right, from the man of God. And all of a sudden, out loud, you heard, pop, pop, pop. I go, what happened? He stood up, he goes, ah. I didn't know whether to call Dr. Phil or try to do an exorcism. Come on, somebody. Put in the sign of the cross. What am I going to do? Come out. No, I didn't do that. He got up and he took his own back brace off like Forrest Gump. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> what did you do to my back? He starts moving and he starts screaming. And when he starts moving, he goes, I can feel what just happened to my back. All of a sudden, people in the audience could hear the three pops. So people just started getting on their knees because they could feel like a holy moment. They just got all over the room. This is the middle of Malibu, California, where people are wiling out in sin. Come on, dark stuff. I had crazy people in there. Come on. All of a sudden, this guy stands up, and he comes to give me a hug, and he's just crying. And he goes, ah, I've been deaf since birth. My ear just opened. He's freaking out. Never been to a church service before. All he heard was that God was present, and he could heal. And he said, I can't wait. I got to disrupt the normal. See, your similarity creates comfort, but your different creates your, your rewards in it. You want to have new rewards, get a little bit hungry, get a little bit different. I, I'm, I'm going to pray a little bit different. I'm going to love a little bit different. I'm going to be more aggressive in something. Can you handle 10 more minutes? I'm, I'll, be, I'll be tight. Watch. He sat there, and all of a sudden he goes, but can God do anything about the gay thing? He goes, I can't help it. I go, if he brought you this far, he ain't going to quit now. Bam, the power of God hit this guy. The Holy Spirit touched this guy and loved on this gentleman. And today, that man is healed in every aspect. of But it started a whole revival in the church. I came every other week for a whole year. Thousands of people where we couldn't get them in anymore, they had to sit on the chairs, that on the chairs, they sat on the floor to get in where you couldn't even move to speak and have to pray for families completely deaf since birth or ears were popping open. A move of God hit because one man that did not know Jesus was so hungry to get a breakthrough in his life. He said, I don't care if how I look, I'm not waiting around. Something's got to shift now, and that change begins with me. Maybe it's not the devil why you're not further along. Maybe it is at the end of your own hand. It's your commitment level. Oh, you don't mind going there? No, 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 no. Because I have to look at my own life too. Maybe it's not the devil why Rex is not further along. Everyone loves to blame the devil. He's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place. He's not in Alexandria today. He, come on, he's messing with Joe Biden in Delaware. Or Putin in Russia. Really? He knows you can mess your own self up because you got familiar habits that if you just keep going back to your same thinking and your same decision making, that will keep you in a rut and keep you from experiencing all that God has for you. So he don't even need to mess with you anymore. He's got you in a train of thought. But when you start disrupting things, something can happen. Why do you say that? Because I prophesy over this entire church and over this little region that you're going to watch things over the next seven months unfold. Creative miracle healings are going to happen. People mentally, in their conscience, and their subconscious, internal miracles are going to happen in this house. You're going to watch men and women in this house rise in authority they never had before. You're going to watch yourself no longer tolerate things that you should be conquering. And you're going to rise a strength that's going to rise within you. God's going to rise in your me. No, devil, get off me. 
No, 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 get off my home. Uh-uh, that deception, you ain't living here. Come on, uh-uh. No, no, I ain't going to live in fear anymore. I'm not going to live jealous anymore. I'm going to stand up on who God says I am and what he says I can do. I'm going to be strong. You're going to find a new strength that's going to hit your soul. Anybody feel that? Ooh, this is good. Watch. Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. Shut up. All the more he cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Watch how powerful. Jesus stops. He can feel the cry of someone's soul who's desperate. I love that. And Jesus said, he's so far gone, he has to tell other people to go tell him. He's just about exiting the city. A moment was passing. He said, go back and tell him to, number one, be of good cheer. Nothing had changed. He's still blind, a beggar with a coat and a cup looking for people's handouts, but yet Jesus tells him to rejoice. Could there be a shift in the atmosphere of your life if you decided to begin to rejoice in your life right now? The Bible says a man has joy by the answer of his mouth, not by what's going on. Your innermost being rejoices, Proverbs 23, 16 says, when your lips declare prosperous, abundant things. In fact, the top 10% financial people in the world are the happiest. I think you have and I have a responsibility, if I'm going to be a believer in Christ, to be one of the happiest people ever to walk this planet. And to do that, you can't do that with a straight face. 64 times in Scripture, God references people the way they hold their face. Well, I'm just serious, brother. Well, God came to people all the time and goes, why are you looking that way in your face? Why is your face so sad? Why are you tripping, homie? Come on, somebody. Don't you know I'm the shepherd? If I take care of the birds, ain't no one going to take care of me. Come on, birds go to Taco Bell. Come on, somebody. They grab a little chalupa. Come on, somebody. They go to one of your 10,000 lakes, and they wish they wouldn't have ate the chalupa, and God takes care of them. And you're stressed out, and he goes, if I take care of birds, how much more am I going to take care of you? When was the last time you saw a stressed-out bird? Imagine just beginning, God, I praise you. I love what that gentleman up here, he got into it. He just started getting on his knees, and he goes, I don't care. I'm going to worship God. I praise you for being good to me. I praise you for loving me. Some of you do yourself such a big favor just going, God, I receive your love today. Your love's healing me. Your love's restoring me. Your love's changing me. Faith is hard when the focus is on yourself. Faith is easy when your eyes is focused on the love of God. Ooh, let me say that one more time. That's worth, let me slow it down. I know I talk fast. Faith is hard when you focus on yourself trying to have faith. Have you ever been there? You're trying to muster it up, brother. Faith is easy when you start focusing on how much God loves me. In fact, there was a, a mental institution where there was 100, the worst patients they had in America, in Oregon. And a young minister who wasn't even filled with the Holy Spirit was assigned to try to go talk to them. And he went in there, they're naked, moans and groans, feces on the floor. He didn't know what to do. Jesus spoke to him audibly and said, sit down in the middle of the whole entire room. And all I want you to do is sing Jesus Loves Me, the first bar. He didn't have any ministry experience of what to do with all these tormented people by demonic forces. So all he's saying was, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Come on, feel that in your soul. 
Yes, you love me, for the Bible tells me so. After a month, 10 of them were in their right mind and they were out. After three months, 80 of them were out. And after six months, not one was left in that whole entire intense psych group, the worst they had in America. All completely out, not one bit of counseling, not one casting on a demon. All those focus was on the love of God, and the love of God drove out all that darkness. Could there be a shift in your own life? Hey! Am I okay? How am I on time? Okay. So watch. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go. I'll finish tonight. I'll pray for a couple people real quick. But I love what he did. He says, have mercy on me, Jesus. Be of good cheer. Rise. No one can rise for you. Come on, no one can rise for you. I'm going to have to rise up and stand up on the inside. That reminds me of the little boy in church. little boy was in church, and every time the pastor, Pastor Mike, got up and started speaking, come on, somebody. The little boy kept getting up and go, yeah, 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 preach it. Right there, by the way, you know they're not in white church. Come on, somebody. They're in black church. Come on, somebody. Not too long ago, I got invited to speak at the African American Baptist Conference. It was the only, I was the token white guy or pink guy, depending on how you look at me. And anyways, this little boy kept getting up, and the mom said, shh, be quiet, shut up, you're making a scene. The boy kept sitting down, he kept getting, go, yeah, 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 preach it. And the, the mom said, shut up, sit down. Finally, she, the third time, she if you get up again, I'm taking away your video games away for a month. The little boy was ticked, and he put his arms in his pits. He sat there, and the mom tried to egg him on, goes, what, what, what? And he goes, oh, I might be sitting down on the outside but I'm jumping and shouting on the inside and you can do nothing about it. What if life has you down on the outside, but today's the time to stand up on the inside again. Some of you are stand up in your faith again. Come on, you're standing purity again. You're going to stand for your marriage again. You're going to stand, come on, for love again. You're going to stand, come on. Love gives, lust takes. Step out of lust and into love. Come on. Come on. Let me, I could ask this question before. What's it like to be in a relationship with you? What do people get when you show up? And if you're in a marriage, if you, if you act in the end like you did at the beginning, you never have to have an ending. Are your relationships about conflict or creation? Ooh, you like that little thought right here? What's it like to be in a relationship with you? Ooh, now I'm going to press your toes just for a minute, right? What's it like to be in a relationship with Rex? Oh, that's cool when I'm on a stage. What's it like when I'm off? Do people get authenticity or do they get a whole veneer? Do they get religion or do they get God's presence in my life? Do they get real love? Do they get genuineness? Do they get sincerity? Do they get integrity? Do they get honor? Do they feel like I care or do they feel like I'm indifferent? What do they get? We're the only representatives of God on this planet. Come on. What do people get when you show up? Is it something they want to have again? If you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that's by calling. Is it an experience? I don't know about you, but if I'm a believer, I have a responsibility to not just go through recovery in my life, but into discovery where I make influence and impact. And to do that, I got to what? I got to rise again. I got to rise again. Some of you got buried through the whole couple of years. Come on with Fauci lying to us. Come on, somebody. Governmental scandals, and there's going to be more governmental scandals coming up because they are intent on working. I just got done speaking for Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Instagram. I just spoke in a mansion with all the reports that influence over 6.3 billion people in the world. I'm sitting in there with the minds that are controlling the conversation. Don't think for a minute, parents, that they're not after a goal to disciple your children. Don't think for a minute 
that they don't have an agenda to disciple your kids and strip you of your power and strip you of your voice. If you don't tell your children who God says they are, they are waiting to tell you what they are not. We have a responsibility to stand up for our families, stand up for our community. Come on, somebody. To stand up as the people of God and stand in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. If you believe that, give the Lord a clap and a shout. I'm done speaking for this morning. Come on, give them a big, big clap. Give them a big clap. Can somebody play the keys behind me a little bit? How many of you can feel God in here? How many can feel the presence of God in here? Both encouraging us, but also challenging us a little bit. How many, how many believe that we, we can be more, not less? It's a decision we're all going to have to look in the mirror and make, huh? Am I going to be more in the next week, or am I going to be less? Am I going to be more, more, more loving, more kind? Am I going to use my faith more, or am I going to use it less? Am I going to be generous, or am I going to be stingy? Am I going to be a hoarder or am I going to be a giver? And am I going to be about God's business or just my own thing? Come on. In fact, if you make your business his business, he's got a great track record of partnership. Come on. Whether you're a supply chain, whether you own your own business, whether you own your own farm, whether you own, come on, your own industry, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a dental hygienist, whether you're insurance, whether you're selling cars, whether you're working at Starbucks, you make God your partner and favor comes on you, favor ain't normal. He'll cause the people that ridiculed you to come back and have to praise you and provide for you. You really believe that? I watch it every day of my life. How do you know? Flunked out of Bible school, I cuss too much. God takes shaky people and gives them sturdy projects. You should smile, that makes you a candidate for God's goodness. Why do you talk about some of your flaws? Because God knows I have them, I know I have them, and I need God's grace. I haven't figured it all out, but one thing I do am hungry for, I want more of Him. I want to live in it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to imagine it one day if the pastor gets some special word for me. I want to step into the knowledge of God's word I have. Faith without works, only an idea. I want to give my faith a life and work. I want to work, 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 work. Lift your hands. That's not a hill song. <laughs> Lift your hands. Say, Jesus, I feel you in here. I'm aware you're talking to me today. And I open my heart to you. I really need you. I need your mercy. I don't deserve it, but you give it. I need your presence to fill my soul. Wake me up to all you call me to be. I hear you. You're calling me. And I'm willing to stand again. I'm willing to stand again. I make the choice, and you're making the change. In Jesus' name.